The views expressed on the patient's perspective come directly from patients, so they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace professional medical advice. Information coming from the patient's perspective is for entertainment and educational purposes only. So if you have any health concerns regarding yourself or anyone else, please see a physician. The Patient's Perspective is a podcast created by patients for patients and does not focus on any specific disease or condition. Content may make you laugh, cry, and question your moral beliefs surrounding healthcare and the many issues patients run into while in the system. Finally, the most important point of view is cast into the light. The Patient's Perspective. On today's episode of The Patient's Perspective, Roe v. Wade, Episode 2, three patients discuss their perspectives on the life-changing court case. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to get into Episode 2 of Roe v. Wade where I had already discussed my own personal experience in terms of um, open adoption, living in a maternity home, as well as having a miscarriage uh, while having hormone allergy. For today, I have my other three co-hosts. So I have Susie, Candice, and Jess here, and I'm going to be acting more as the moderator on this uh, discussion. But we have brought everyone together so that we can discuss um, the overturn of Roe v. Wade. So <clears throat> I guess to start, Candace, um, you had your hand up. So everyone there, you can't see them, but um, we're trying to have our hands up or, or whatnot uh, in order to signal that they would like to speak. So Candace, did, did you have something to say? Well, hi. Um I literally had my my four fingers up because I'm pretty sure that some of your experience will fall into the 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 discussion today. So there are four of us on today's call. Yes. And um I think I think maybe we should uh start with Jess uh because this was her idea to come together today. So I I would love to start there and um you know, and, and then if you have any questions, I'll, I'll, I have very, like, I'm trepidatious about what I can say here because I'm, I'm a little bit muddy in my viewpoints, I guess. Um, my experiences are not as extensive, but I'll get into, I'll get into my experiences and my whys after we start with with, I think, our host, Jess, today. Jess. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Um, what a heavy, heavy topic. 
what a thing to see in today's world being rewound into times before it's just it's it's mind-blowing to me how these things are coming forward now um i'm of the belief that the best thing that we can do for humanity as a whole is move forward not backwards so when i heard about the overturn of roe versus wade it struck me on a very personal level and i haven't been i'm usually like i'm pretty open about most of my life experiences um i but with this one it's difficult but i also feel it's important um important so that not just that my voice is heard but for others like me also feeling heard and having our experience shared so that's why I, I was like you know what we need to have this conversation i need to have this conversation um also as a way of self-healing and self-forgiveness as well so when i was 17 I was a kind of a promiscuous teen. I was desperate for validation from men, um, boys, I guess, at that time. I wanted to feel like I was, I was accepted and worth something. And as a result of that, I ended up pregnant. And I knew right away that I could not have this child. I was still in school. I still had a lot of growing up to do. I just, my body and mind were not prepared for becoming a parent. And I knew that in my heart. So when I found out and it came time for me to make a choice, I did choose to have the abortion. And for that one, it was, I accepted it. Like I felt, I felt comfortable in having made that decision. Um, I felt like it was the best decision I could make for myself. And so that one didn't really hurt as much as the second time I had to, I was faced with that, with that choice. And I dare say it didn't even really become my own choice. Um, I ended up pregnant again at, I think at about 25. And I had been in a long-term relationship. Uh, we were together, you know, from the time I was 19. Um, you know, we lived together, we talked about getting married and all of this kind of stuff. So when I discovered that I was pregnant, and I had told him about this, his reaction without missing a beat was we have to get rid of it. And my world crumbled. I, at that point, I felt like abortion shouldn't have even been a, an option for me. Um, because here I was, I mean, no, I didn't have all of life figured out. Certainly not. I don't think any 25 year old truly does. Um, 
but in retrospect, looking back, I feel like I would have been able to, to cope with it. It would have been, I'd have been fine. I'd have been a great mom. But after having some rather heated, I want to call it discussion, but it wasn't really a discussion as much as it was just each of us being very loud about our opinions. We and my my parents, um, my family had been had gone away on holidays, so they weren't around. I wasn't able to. I didn't really have a strong support network in those days, and so I didn't really have anyone that I could talk to about it. So when we went and saw his parents, and we sat down and had a very serious conversation, they were on board with the with me having an abortion. And they used they used a lot of like, well, you guys aren't old enough, you don't own a house, you, you know, you're not ready for this, and you know, all of that. So it was a very non-productive conversation for me. So, you know, they were on board, this is what had to be done. And I kept hearing it and kept hearing it and I hated it because I already felt like that child was part of me and there was a part of me that truly wanted to have her and I, I it could have been a he it could have been a her who knows but I feel like it was a her because up until I phoned to make the appointment to have the procedure done I had been writing letters to her and I wrote her letters about how hard it was to be faced with this kind of decision and having nobody on my side. And I felt like I was failing her. That was really tough, not having anyone to really talk to about it. I'm um, so sorry it happened. It, yeah, it was, it was very difficult. And when I made the appointment, I, I went very reluctantly. I, I was, I was not at peace with this choice, with this choice being made for me. And, oh. you know, you go in, at least here in the city I live in, um, they have you talk to a nurse and, and talk to a counselor, which is great. I think it's fantastic that we have this. So speaking with a nurse and then a counselor, I feel like those are very important things to have, but kind of see it as a failure for me because I went in there not comfortable with this decision and that should have been a flag to them to be like, okay, we're not doing this, you know, and yeah. maybe having a professional actually speak to the guy at that time being like, she's really not okay with making this choice or, you know, whatever that conversation might have looked like, I think it would have been helpful, but that's not what happened. They basically just prepared me for 
you know, what the procedure entailed, which I'd already heard about when I was 17. And so it didn't really, it didn't change anything for me. And part of me really hoped that by speaking to professionals about how I felt and where I stood on it, that they might stick up for me, but that wasn't the case. And so, you know, I remember we made the appointment and it, I mean, the pregnancy was, it was a fair ways along. Like, I think it, it was still under the 23, I, I believe it was a 23 week mark uh, where they would still do it. But I got the appointment and then within a week they were phoning me and telling me that they had to delay the appointment. Delaying the appointment just made it harder for me because now I've ha I have more time. So I'm back writing letters to this child and it's full of regret and full of just guilt and begging forgiveness. Sorry. That's incredible. It's okay, Jess. So I knew when they rescheduled the appointment, I was a lot closer to that cutoff point of them being able to do it. And that tore me up even more. How many weeks were you? I believe I was 19. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was approaching that mark and it was just like, how dare they reschedule this? That's how I felt like, how dare they? And not just the fact that they reschedule it, but then the fact that they didn't really stand up for me as the patient, they weren't advocating for me and how I felt. So like that, that experience really pulled a number on me, really pulled a number on me. Um, like I said, with, with the first one, I, I felt like it was the right call. But the second time I wasn't okay with it. And that's when I started to see the failures in, in the system when it comes to sexual and reproductive health for women, especially. Now we fast forward to today and 10, well, fast, well, let's say we fast forward to the, when I'm 29 and that's when I'm told that I can no longer, I can't have children. Um, I hit early menopause and it's not because my internal organs weren't functioning. They were functioning, but the problem became that I wasn't producing the hormones required. So being told that, that was another heartbreak because I grew up my whole life, I was going to be a mom. And then especially at 25, having that opportunity literally felt like it was taken away from me. And I thought, I took comfort at that time thinking about, I'll have another chance. I'll have another chance. It'll happen. And here I am and it can't happen. 
So, you know, there's multiple angles here in terms of my experience with it. So on the one side, I mean, I am all, not on the one side, generally speaking, I am all about autonomy. You, it's your body. I don't care if you're male or female, whatever. You get to make the decision about your, your medical needs, your medical requirements. And that, that Roe versus Wade seems to have taken that away from our neighbors to the South. You know, and I'm not okay with that. And I don't understand where it's come from. I'm also, I'm no legal expert. So I'm not sure how it was even possible after them quoting the 14th amendment, how it was even possible for them to overturn that and why it was even in the, the Supreme Court. Like I'm still, I'm so confused about how that came to happen. Never mind the fact that the people who are making this decision are men. And I don't want to turn this into a men versus women thing, but the actions speak volumes. It speaks very strongly to who is making these decisions. And making these decisions as if we can't think for ourselves. And that, that to me is terrifying. Like go, to go down that road, I just, I, I can't accept it. I truly just cannot accept that this is the way our society is gonna go because I feel it's so wrong. It's so wrong. Any woman that is out there who is pregnant, I don't care how old you are, it's important for you to know, even though the law says otherwise, you have a choice and it that can't be taken away from you i i refuse to believe that that can be taken away from you the problem with that then though becomes if they really don't want the child the methods that they might resort to that makes my heart bleed because if someone is forced into having a child that that can't that can have a good impact on a, on a person on an individual you know like if they know they never want to be a parent or they're not in good circumstances to be able to bring a child into this world they're going to look for other ways to figure it out and that and that's what's terrifying and I mean, we start looking at the amount of children that were unwanted and are now in the system, in the foster care system, or being out for adoption. Now, adoption, I think I, I can get a little bit more on board with, but when it comes to having a child, you're not wanting that child and putting the child in the system, the system is not designed to support those children. And you're telling me that now you're going to force people to have more of these kids in an already failing society and system? Give me a break. Like, how much sense does this make? It doesn't. It makes zero sense. I, I'm going to jump in here, Candice here. Um, I want to say a huge thank you to you, Jess, 
for having the bravery to share your story, your stories, and your feelings and your thoughts around this because guaranteed you are not the only woman who is struggling with where does the world go from here. And this open dialogue, this discussion and sharing of truths needs to happen. It's needed to happen a long time. The, the need for every perspective to be shared and for there to be no fear or stigma or polarization surrounding your bodily autonomy and the choices you make with your body and the feelings and the whatever repercussions you then have to take on is your business. However, you are absolutely right. And it breaks my heart to hear that you didn't have the advocacy and the support that you required or or maybe even didn't have the knowledge that you should be asking right and if people were to speak up and say these systems need to change like you just did then maybe we can get somewhere now we're here in Canada doing this podcast every single one of us women here today are Canadian, but we have friends to the South. Well, I have family in the South, lots of family in the South. And regardless of your views, the whole deal around body autonomy has been a big hot topic in the past few months. And I don't, and, and you, you say, why or how could this happen? I don't know. I'm, a, I'm over here in Canada. I don't follow the laws of the states. I did take a law course in high school. It was about Canadian law. Um, the way that everything changed seems so sudden and seems so drastic that like, yeah, what the F happened here? I would love to hear down the line from people who understand more of the law and who have said things like there are people who have said things like this doesn't mean what all these women say it means. Now, who are these people and what authority do they have to but if they're out there, let's hear from them. I, I don't know where to go with with that except for I needed to say thank you. Um, I can relate to a lot of the things that you were saying, but my story is completely different. And, and, and we all have completely different stories, whether we've, we have stories of friends who have gone through it. We have the feelings of trying to support friends through things. I, I had a teen friend who was one of my best friends, still is had to make that choice because she felt pressure from her partner and her partner's family and she didn't have enough family support and she thought this is my only choice and she made it in haste and for years later on the day that would have been the due date she would message me and tell me the age and this is you know and talk about how she sees other children and 
you know, now thankfully down the line, she was able to have an, a child and she is now a mom. And I'm so sorry, Jess, that you find yourself in a position like, like you do currently. And, and I'm sorry that your emotions must be going all over the place with the things. And, and how do we as women protect ourselves from, from the emotional it, it literally is going to feel like it's coming down as emotional abuse on us, regardless of whether we get a say about the choices that are made or not. And, you know, I, yeah, like I'm not a feminist, but I really feel like I should be now. You know what yeah. I mean? I've, I've never identified as like, I'm this or that. I don't like to label myself. But this this does feel like a patriarchal decision. I think that's where I'm going to stop for now. And um, Kyla, why don't you? Um, well, I just wanted, uh, first of all, um, you know, to, to persons out there, you know, we have Susie and, and Susie is a quadriplegic. So <clears throat> unfortunately, Susie is unable to um, signal to me really um, when she would like to talk. So I would like to intervene here and ask Susie, um, what are your thoughts so far um, on on this? And I know you were a, a social worker, have your social working degree at least, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so you probably have a completely different perspective um, than than all of us, even if it's just from a professional uh, perspective. Um, somewhat. I don't have any personal experience with abortion. Um, I breezed through my teenage years, thankfully skipping that but I had friends that didn't. But this was back in the early 90s. And I don't know if abortion was available then or not in my area because all of the girls in high school had their babies. So I guess it wasn't, I don't know. Um, but for 20 years from 2000 until, well, no, I started in 97. Anyways, whatever it is, early 2000s, I worked in a high school and I was a school counselor and thankfully girls would come to me. And I had one particular girl that came and she didn't have a clue how to go about it, nor did I, but I managed to figure it out. And I was able to get her a number with um, something like Planned Parenthood in Ottawa and they helped her. But she had to arrange transportation down to Ottawa. Um, she was, I can't remember if she was in foster care at that point or at home. But either way, um, she didn't have the family support. I, as far as I know, all she had was me. And that breaks my heart that the counselor at the abortion clinic didn't catch on to you, Jess. Um, to me, that's part of our job in that we're always kind of reading between the lines. And wow, that shouldn't have happened, Jess. So now, even at this point, I live in a rural environment. Um, it's called Renfrew County. I'm about an hour and a half from the center where abortions would be completed. So 
it's still a difficult thing for us around here. I haven't worked in a high school lately, but I don't believe there are any abortion clinics in this county because our cities aren't big enough. So girls still have to make that trek. And that's sad. Um, I know I'm hearing them talking in the States now about how the abortion pills are still legal in some places. So I'm not sure if that's what's around here. Um, I raised a daughter and thankfully I did not need to look into any of that. But I just find when you're an hour and a half from the city and if you were a younger girl or even a younger woman, um, it can be difficult to get that transportation, especially when it's for something that's this charged in discussions. Um, and my heart breaks for those people. And, you know, I was thinking again, there's all these other variables that come in. So what if the person that's been impregnated has special needs, is severely autistic or, or worse? Um, and in some cases, it might be physically a problem for the young girl. What's going to happen to those people? Or heaven forbid the, the idea that disabled women are often raped. Um, there's a high, the sexual assaults on disabled people is actually a high number. Mm -hmm. And that makes me sad. I remember when I worked at an elementary school, we had a grade eight girl, so 14 but she had cerebral palsy, cerebral, sorry, that came up wrong. And I mean, she couldn't talk, she couldn't see, we could communicate, but she had a hysterectomy in grade eight. And I hope that that will still be available in the States when needed. Um, because that's another form of birth control, if you think about it. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that's a, that's an extreme case, but what about, I've heard of families where both parents have Down syndrome mm -hmm. and, and they choose to have a child. Is that fair? Because the child may come out healthy, regular, and are these parents capable? But who can judge that? Candace, did you want to jump in there? Sorry, Susie. Yeah, and Susie um, touched on a few things. As I said, I wasn't really sure where I had a voice about this topic. And so, okay, I'm a mom. My daughter is 14. And so that's an age where as a parent, you know, you're already you concerned, you know, you're, you're already concerned that, that you're, you may have to face these decisions down the line with your child. Um, when I chose 
to have my baby, I had already had the experience with my dear friend. So I knew the pain that she had gone through. And for me, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so I knew that I risked early menopause. So I chose, even though I was in university and on assistance, social assistance, because I had already been deemed permanently disabled, I was taking what was for me a full course load of schooling, studying music, and but there was for me it was just like it, it was a, it was a choice that I I didn't even have to think about. However, what happened for me is I was not really in a good place to start out as a new parent, and um, I brought a young one into the world, into poverty, with parents, two parents who were permanently disabled. I did not know until my daughter was two years old that her father suffered paranoid schizophrenia and it was very strong in his family. I, I have for years been trying to navigate various um, health issues that were passed down to my daughter. And, you know, there have been times when I've apologized to her for, for bringing her into such a world and such a place because I'm always having to tell her, no, we, I can't do that for you. Like we can't afford that, etc. And on, and to speak to my pregnancy, I was so sick, like so sick, from the uptick in progesterone in my body. It flared one of my autoimmune diseases to no end. It's actually what got me the diagnosis of hydrogenitis suppurativa. So I was, I had boils popping up everywhere. They talk about, you know, there's normal skin changes that happen in a woman. And so at first I thought that was it, but I was suffering. I couldn't walk. I couldn't. And so I didn't know that that was abnormal. I was not yet diagnosed with MS. At this point in time, we're, and I know this, but I'm also, I'm unable to take hormonal birth control. I'm still of fertile age. I have not reached early menopause as of yet. Um, I'm still of fertile age. I'm unable to take hormonal birth control because of my sensitivities to the hormonal changes. And I am literally allergic to latex and my vaginal flora cannot handle spermicide. So I cannot use the barrier method. So every single time that I have intercourse 
and I am in a committed partnership. So we, we have intercourse <laughs> every single time I risk pregnancy. And I know that this time around, I would have to make the call that I could not bodily go through another pregnancy. So, Susie, you're right. Everything is so complicated. Yeah. And it's I, all blurry. I just strongly feel like these discussions really are important and I'm, I'm, I'm glad we decided that this was something that the patient's perspective absolutely had to talk about. Well, and considering it covers women from what, like age 12 up to 50. So I mean, yeah. a large chunk of the population. Now, I mean, I wasn't going to speak, but um, I mean, I'm just going to kind of, because this wasn't just myself. Uh, it was my, he's now my ex-spouse. He was with me when we were doing my hormonal um, treatments once we had, once I've been tested positive at least one time with progesterone allergy. And that's when they put me on what's called a GnRH analog, which is, uh, shuts down your hormones from the pituitary gland. And they were telling us at the endocrinologist, they said, you guys have to use a condom. I said, well, but why? Like there's, there's no hormones going, but they said it's, it's due to ethical reasons. You know, we, you should use a condom. So we had been struggling sexually because of all of this. We'd already gone through one or two years of having to wear a condom every single time because I couldn't take birth control. Now we're at the point of taking um, hormone suppressive therapy. And you would think then that you would get a freebie to be able to have as much sex without a condom or a barrier as much as you want, but due to the ethical reasons on the small chance that you might get pregnant, um, you know, the endocrinologist decided that, you know, the recommendation is to not um, still use a condom. And he and I sat down and we decided to chat and he is of a Christian faith. And I said, what do you think about this? And he says, look at, I know the chance is so small. The chance, the, the it would it it wouldn't even be able to develop. You know, like like it, it just it would not be able to even develop. And our decision was that the relationship had suffered enough up until that point in time already, sexually because of having to use barrier treatments for years up until this point in time. And we, as Candace, we didn't, we weren't risking pregnancy, but we were risking our own feelings towards the fact, the difference of whether or not we would know or not, whether or not there had been a conception because it wouldn't survive probably past 24 hours, right? And the decision was the hard decision for both of us was that we just would rather not know. So we, you know, or would we just accepted the fact that we just wouldn't, we wouldn't find out if anything would happen, 
right? Yeah. Uh, more, and the chances of it happening is very slim. I mean, the, the gynecologist literally had no qualms when I ended up at, at a gynecologist office about no qualms of me having sex unprotected uh, on this GnRH analog nasal spray. But the endocrinologists were different, you know, so um, so there's ethical issues for doctors as well. And it depends on which doctor you're talking to. You know, uh, um, yes, Jess, and we only, I hate to say it, we only have six more minutes, but Jess, yeah, your turn. Yeah, um, first of all, thank you very much, Candice, Susie, and Kyla for allowing me to share my story. I'm glad you did. It's not something I've talked about very much, and I'm a huge believer in giving people a voice. And if it means I have to use mine Absolutely. so that they'll use theirs, I'm gonna use it. And I know that there's there may be judgment coming down the line, like that's the world that we live in. You know, we, human nature, you know? But it's up to us to make a difference. Yes, absolutely it is. And it takes two people male and female to conceive a child you're right man has the seed women we have the egg and where we have to do the carrying and yep. i just don't understand how we try like this has to be a woman only issue this is not a woman only okay. issue this is i'm sorry but a man can go out have a vasectomy so that the chances of him being able to get a woman pregnant are pretty slim. Like, I know it's not unheard of that this can happen. It, it can happen, but it reduces the chance of that happening. Right. And it's, le it's less invasive. And men can go and have this reversed when they're ready maybe to be a father or be a parent, yeah. you know? But for women, once the damage is done it's done yep we are the we are the eggs of this world they have the seed and you can't have a child without both being involved yep. so reducing this to a point where it's a woman's burden i'm sorry but that is absolutely effed I'm going to I'm going to follow Candace's lead on lead on that because I have a sailor's mouth otherwise. So, I'm just going to say <laughs> it, it is it's absolutely effed. Like we there's this constant separation that's going on on in so many levels. But they forget that it takes two to tango, man. That's right. Candace, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, so I just I again want to thank Jess for her bravery. She is one hell of a warrior. Um, but what I would like to say is, yes, there will be judgments. There will be comments. There will be different viewpoints. But one thing that I was taught, and it's, it's part of ancient Toltec wisdom, anything that somebody is judging in you is most likely the very thing that they are criticizing in themselves. Yeah. So if you can look at the judgments from that perspective, you can deflect them. And anybody listening who wants to pass judgment, 
look in a mirror before you write your comments. Yep, that's their perspective. It's not the truth. Yeah, and this is just it. I mean, unfortunately, after Roe v. Wade kind of hit the mainstream and social media, I did have to unfriend some people because, I mean, yeah, it was their perspective, but to have somebody in a roundabout way, a backhanded way to go out of their way to call me a murderer, like that, that I'd had it. Yeah, I said, no freaking way. I am yeah. not connected to this person. I do not want to share energy with this individual, individuals. So, I mean, unfortunately, there were multiple, but it, it's a, for my own, for my own mental health that I had to make that decision, you know, to block these people because they weren't ready to hear the other side of it. Until we're ready to hear the other sides and to have a constructive conversation. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to solve this issue 100%, but I think that um, having these types of conversations where, where people are not like screaming and yelling at each other and name calling each other, you know, um, we need more of that. And you don't see it enough and you don't see it enough in the media anymore, right? So with that said, Susie, do you have any, we have one minute left, Susie. Nope. No, <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm trying to come back to you, Susie. Um, I just don't want to talk too much and have it cut off. Yeah. With that said, I want to thank uh, Susie, Jess, Candace um, for getting in on this uh, conversation. It's a very difficult one to have and it's far from over. I mean, we were just talking beforehand that there was a 10 year old girl that has been found to be pregnant in one of the states that doesn't allow abortion. So this conversation is far from over. So with everyone out there, I would like to thank you for joining us and listening in today. And I hope everybody after this conversation, because this is a hard one, um, you know, has a, has a better day and takes care of themselves. I'm so happy you were able to join in and listen to us today. If you have an episode idea or would like to share your story, please email me at info at thepatientsperspective.com or join our Facebook page under the same name. From all of us who are working hard bringing patient issues to light, thank you for tuning in and supporting The Patient's Perspective. Thank you.